Vox Quick Hits. I wasn't planning on watching the men's final at the Australian Open in the middle of the night this weekend. The final, in my heart, was played days earlier between Serena and Osaka. But there I was, unable to sleep on a Saturday night. And what the heck, tennis, Australia, fans in the stand, they're averaging like single-digit COVID cases every day. It's escapism, a cheap vacation, what life used to be like, so I turned it on. Welcome to the 2021 Australian Open Men's Singles Final. Novak Djokovic, Serbia number one seed versus Daniil Medvedev, Russia number four seed. Djokovic is part of the big three men's tennis players who have won 57 of the last 69 Grand Slam tournaments in the sport. It's this insane, unprecedented dominance that doesn't really have an obvious comparison. Medvedev is part of a new class of Younger dudes who threatened to creep in and upset that dominance, but so far so bad. And Sunday's final didn't help matters. Djokovic wins the match in straight sets. The winning shot is this insane over-the-head volley twirl thing that doesn't really make any physical sense, and it wins the entire tournament. After that, it's all the formalities. The suits come out to thank the sponsors, thank the refs, thank the ball boys, hand out trophies. It's sort of perfunctory, and nothing interesting ever really happens until the Australian Open in 2021. Jane Herdlicka, the president of Tennis Australia, is throwing all the pro forma thank yous out. And then she says something about the pandemic that's hardly affecting Australia. With vaccinations on the way, rolling out in many countries around the world, it's now a time for optimism and hope for the future. The audience does not like it, but she persists. There are many other people to thank that enabled this great night to take place in the last couple of weeks. The top of that list is the Victorian government. Without you, we could not have done this. Again, the audience is angry. And all of a sudden, this isn't about tennis. Like everything else in life, this was about the pandemic. So long, late-night escapism. But maybe it was my fault for believing I could find an escape in the first place. Things are really rough out here. This was a week the United States hit 500,000 deaths. That's almost the number of Americans who died in both world wars combined. The virus is mutating around the world, and poor countries around the world, as we explained on the show a few weeks ago, will have to wait much longer for the vaccine than the rich ones. It's easy to surrender to this idea that Life as we knew it is going to take many more years to return. But Herman Lopez says there are reasons to be optimistic about the end of all of this. Yes, and I'm not known to be a very optimistic person, if you've ever worked for me. Uh, my Slack emoji is Eeyore. So, um, <laughs> Eeyore has been writing about the pandemic for Vox. I've been feeling like as best as I have about the COVID pandemic these past few weeks. And there's really three reasons one is that new cases are just significantly down from the fall-winter surge. Meanwhile, vaccination rates have been going up quite quickly. And the other thing here is that in the next few weeks, next few months, the weather's going to start warming up. And as we know, COVID tends to spread more quickly in like indoor environments, and people are pushed to those indoor environments during the winter and fall. So 
I mean, if you look at all those three factors, we're looking at a really optimistic time. I think this is confusing to some people to see this precipitous drop in COVID cases. I mean, we got an email from a listener saying, you know, a lot of people where I live in Wisconsin are skeptical that, you know, Biden's inaugurated and all of a sudden the cases are dropping. Is this really just as simple as a ton of people were traveling for the holidays and this thing just blew up and and we saw a, a huge surge in cases? That certainly was a big part of it. The CDC was telling people to be careful over the holidays. They, like, advised people to, like, not do Thanksgiving if they could. The government's top health protection agency now says ignoring those warnings and holding gatherings could lead directly to family members dying from COVID-19. But as we saw, like, people did do Thanksgiving. They did do Christmas. They did do other holiday celebrations. As hospitals and hotspots struggle to manage COVID patients, tonight that feared holiday surge is here. And also not just in the U.S., but around the world, you saw this, particularly countries that were celebrating, like, Christmas and, and those holidays. But since then, it seems like in the aftermath, people seem to have changed their behavior. I mean, just practically, they're not going to Christmas parties anymore, right? So if that's been leading to cases dropping, then maybe we want to keep that going for a bit. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, so cases are down. Let's talk about vaccines. We got even more good news this week. The FDA is meeting to consider emergency approval of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which in theory will add even more supply to a vaccine effort that has really ramped up in the United States? Yeah, it's certainly the case. I mean, there are a few ways to measure this, but one way to look at it is like last month in the middle of January, states weren't using even 50% of the doses they got. Now it's pretty normal for them to be using 80 or 90% or even more than that. Uh, So states have just really ramped up how much of the doses they're getting. And on top of that, they're getting just way more doses. 14.5 million doses uh, this week, up from 8.6 million doses per week when the president took office. So right now we're about 1.7 million vaccines actually put in arms a day. That can fluctuate a bit based on like the weather, as as we've seen with the snowstorm recently. But 1.7 million, that's a lot. Like before Biden came into office late last month, he was aiming for a million a day. And we're already getting to the point where we're we're talking about like getting double that a day. So that's a a pretty massive improvement. So is it going to be like what I mentioned at the top of the show with the Australian Open where Things are getting back to normal. They can have this major international event, but there will be these COVID snags. Is that what it's going to look like with March Madness coming back or the NBA welcoming fans back in or restaurants reopening for indoor dining? Yeah, I mean, my guess is like, even though cases have dropped and things have gotten better, we're probably going to see spikes here and there. Recently, we had the Super Bowl, right? And We haven't seen this in the data just yet, but if people were having like Super Bowl parties and getting together, they might have spread COVID. That might lead to like a brief spike in the numbers. And I'm going to guess that we'll probably have more of that in the future. Hopefully, if if this keeps up as it has, if we have like the vaccines still going out, if we have like uh, people still obeying some social distancing and masking, then it'll still generally get better overall. But we will probably have spikes and probably have to pull back a bit here and there. And, and for a lot of people with kids especially, I know the big question will be schools. When are they going to reopen? I know 
Biden has been bullish on reopening schools, but there's been a lot of pushback from teachers unions, which, of course, are supportive of Biden. Otherwise, how complex is that picture right now? The CDC just put out a guidance essentially saying that, like, look, schools can open. This, as a new CDC report, says it's safe to reopen schools after months of COVID closures with or without vaccinating teachers. They just had to follow these precautions. And it's the kind of stuff that you would expect the CDC to be recommending at this point. Masking, physical distancing, testing and tracing, like even stuff like just opening a door to improve ventilation in your building, like opening windows, that kind of thing. But... Like you mentioned, teachers unions are are really concerned about this. What we've seen from schools so far is that they do not seem to be a big source of COVID, but like teachers can still get sick, right? Like they can be in the older population that is more susceptible to the disease. So they're kind of worried about that. The good news, though, is with these precautions, it seems like that even limits transmission around teachers. So they can reopen. And we're seeing some states, more and more states now, really push forward with reopening. I think it'll take time. Like we're going to be seeing these hybrid models where you're still doing some in-person, but also still doing some like Zoom school. And the hope is, look, if the vaccine rollout really, really goes forward throughout the summer, then maybe next school year, it will be fully in-person. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts.